Welcome to Faith in Real Life, where we talk about truths of the Bible that are relevant to your life and faith. My name is Obi, and I'm the pastor to young adults at First Baptist O'Fallon. And if you enjoy this podcast, please rate it on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. It helps get the word out. And uh, I am joined today by Bryce McGuire, our student pastor. Hey, oh. Good to, good to know that you haven't let that drop yet. You nope. still say hey That's Forever great. Forever and always, man. And then we have a uh, first-time guest appearance from Aaron Walling. Hey, what's up, everybody? Aaron, why are you here? Like, what is... Uh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that didn't, that didn't <laughs> sound very hosp- hosp- sound hospitable. hostile. Hospitable. Hospitable, I but I was going to say it does sound hostile. <laughs> so, um, Aaron, what? Uh, we want the people in our church to kind of get to know you and... Uh, what what are some things we need to know about you? Like, what do you do here? So I am the new pastor to adults 30s and 40s, um, and then I also oversee men's ministry here. Yeah, I'm uh, particularly excited about that second one. Uh, I love men and uh, men's ministry. Bryson gave me a dirty look on that. I love <laughs> men's ministry. I love to disciple men, and uh, I uh, I am excited about you being able to do that because in the past that's been me. And uh, as people here may or may not know, my primary ministry focus has been young adults. And so men was kind of always a, hey, don't let it sink type thing. And so I'm glad that we're bringing someone in that's going to be able to really focus on it. And uh, we know at the time of this recording, you're prepping for our uh, Man versus Sauce event. So we're hoping for a good event there and I think it'll be great. So glad you're here, man. Um, So Bryson, do you feel intimidated at all that his beard is better than both of ours? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. I know who I am. Just, <laughs> yeah. I know my You're limitations secure. in life. I know that I can't grow facial hair that well. Okay. So, but it's still something more than other people. That's fair. Oh, so you're jabbing other people to feel better. About I am it. thinking of a few people <laughs> in my head right now. Uh, you can, I think you could grow a good beard, just maybe not the mustache. No, I have, mm. I have like the Amish neck beard. Mm. So you can but, trim the neck. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. What about the mustache? Because you look like you have a mustache. It's just kind of blonde. It's kind or? of blonde, unfortunately. Right. We can fix that. We yeah. can dye it a little bit. I think bit. I'm going to do some of that like Rogaine stuff, just like right on my, <laughs> my upper lip. <laughs> oh, I could, that could go wrong. <laughs> that could. Probably pretty wrong. Well, uh, so we are talking about fellowship today, and this is the last part of our uh, overall series of talks that we've had on spiritual disciplines. And so fellowship... Um, is something that is significant, it's important, uh, maybe not always thought of it in the right way in church circles, and then outside of church circles may not, may not, maybe not understood at all. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to get into this. So uh, I want to start this off today just by, uh, I guess we'll kind of open it up with you first, Bryson, about why is fellowship important, what does the Bible say about it, and uh, for people out there who may have been, may even ask, what is it? Yeah, so uh, I went to Google, I love Google, <laughs> And uh, there's a there's a website called GotQuestions.org and answers a lot of. Um, this is where we instill confidence in all of yeah. our listeners. Yes. <laughs> we prep for this show by googling. Yes, hey, I've I've learned a lot from Google and uh, a lot of what not to do in my life. Anyway, so it's a Christian ministry resource, and I just thought I liked their definition, and so they define fellowship as a partnership to the mutual benefit of those involved. In Christian fellowship, there's there is the mutually beneficial relationship between Christians who cannot have the identical relationship with those outside the faith. So that's a really kind of just a technical way of saying. Read it again for us. Read it again. Oh my One gosh. more time. I'm stumbling over my words today, so you're killing me. All right. Fellowship is a partnership to the mutual benefit of those involved. 
Christian fellowship, then, is the mutually beneficial relationship between Christians who can't have the same identical relationship with those outside the faith. That so, is a dense definition, sir. It, it yes. is, and that's why I like it. The, but the, the, the basics of it is that fellowship inside of Christian circles is something that is um, unique. There's a, there's a bond, there's a connection, there's a relationship um, that we have through the Spirit in Christ that unites us together that we can't have with people who, who aren't followers of Christ. But, but fellowship, and like, I think if you stripped it really down, it's just Christian friendship. I think that's a really easy way of thinking about it. Um, but it is a Christian term because the only other time I've ever heard it used outside the church is uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. What's that? Oh, oh my gosh. All right. Hey, uh, I'm just kidding. Aaron, the door's I'm right just, over there. I'm, I'm just, just kidding. I'm well versed. Nice, it was nice to have you on the podcast while it lasted. But um, and I'm just kidding. But no. So um, but so when we think about that, the scripture talks over and over about our need for relationship. And the verse I really always like um, and associate with fellowship is uh, the Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. Iron sharpens iron. And uh, the reason I like that verse is because um, for iron to sharpen iron, it actually requires a little bit of friction. Uh, you know, sparks, sparks are going to fly and it just remind, and they're also made of the same substance. So it's that idea of they're the same, just like we are, or one in Christ. Um, but also sometimes you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of friction in order to sharpen each other, to help each other grow. Um, and I think sometimes we're afraid of that in Christian circles. We're afraid of, um, calling out sin because then I'll be the judgmental Christian. We're afraid of, um, you know, sharing scripture because then I sound too spiritual. We're afraid of, um, I don't know, actually speaking words in, over people in their lives and things like that, because then we sound kind of, you know, crazy. Um, so instead, we tend to associate fellowship as I, I come to a small group. We call them life groups at our church. And I sit and I hear a Bible study and I go home. And that's I, there, that's an aspect of fellowship, but that's not the fullness of it. Mm, that's good. So um, I'm going to add to your, uh, I guess, description of of. Uh, Fellowship. I won't mm. add to your dense definition. Obi's definition <laughs> <Yeah>. of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, I do not have my own dictionary, but uh, I could I could make one up, especially how to pronounce things with Missouri dialect, which is, I think, better. But uh, other people disagree. So when we think of partnership or fellowship, uh, it is really the word partnership, uh, mm. the Greek word koinonia. Um it means to be in a partnership. And so even, you know, you not to not to define things biblical by using Lord of the Rings, but Ooh. but if you think about that illustration, they're not just in a friendship. Mm-hmm. They're in a partnership yeah. on a mission. Right. Mm, I like that. And uh, I'm not going to tell people what the mission is uh, because I don't want to sound too nerdy on this podcast, but but they're on a mission. No, do it. Do it. <laughs> no, okay. pass. you do it. You no, do it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Should've just taking the Eagles. Yeah, I just it, that that illustration it's a great illustration i don't want to push it too far because they break up at the end of the first movie Mm. so it's not a great christian fellowship that is a bad fellowship (laughs) maybe indicative of sometimes uh, christian fellowships but hopefully not Um, but if if we think of a partnership then we're on a mission right Mm. we are we're not just friends we are friends though but but we're not just that we're on a a partnership together because sometimes I think we use that word fellowship to mean like, oh, Christians are going to have a chili cook-off or mm-hmm. something. Like there's a chili supper or something like that. And that's good. That's part of fellowship is is that we bond together. We have those relationships. But really it is a partnership. The first time I ever did a word study on this came from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 9 says, God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And so if you just left it at that, then it's kind of like, hey, this relationship with God. But the whole context of chapter one in this section is about unity. So verse 10 says, now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. And so there's this thought about fellowship being a partnership uh, with the same conviction, with this unity, that um, even as we have disagreements and difficulties and things like that, that because we're in this Christian koinonia, this Christian partnership, not just friends, but we have a, a ministry and a mission that's higher than our individual preferences. Because of that, we put away those petty things and, mm-hmm. and we march forward uh, so that the fellowship of the, the cross doesn't mm-hmm. disband like the fellowship of the rings, no. right? Ooh, I like that. Mm. You can coin it. We, we ought to have a, that. a sound set. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> tweet it. No one's on Twitter anymore, but go ahead. All right. What you got, Aaron? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, I, fellowship is, is vitally important in the life of the Christian. It, it, we were made for community. We all have an innate desire to belong to, to something. I, my, the, the passage I go to most often when I think about fellowship is, is Genesis 2. And um, we think about it more in, in context of marriage, but I think it's much more broad than that. And that it's not good for man to be alone. Mm. Um, and I, I, I go there more often because that that context it's before the fall it's before sin sin enters the world and and everything's radically changed and yet god says man needs to have a partner and needs mm-hmm. that he needs to go through life with somebody else and so i think it's much it's much more than just man i have all the sin that i'm dealing with and all these burdens and i need help it's man we were created to have relationships we're relational beings and from the very beginning that was God's design. And so um, I think it's vitally important to to have that in your life. Um, That's good. And if I could tack onto that. So even thinking of Genesis 2, when we're trying to think of why did God create Eve? And some might say, well, so that he's not alone. And, and then we in, immediately associate that with loneliness. Mm-hmm. But of course, he tells us why he doesn't want us to be alone. It's that relationship, but also the, the partnership or the mm-hmm. help in the work. Yeah. Right? That it's like relationship can be one thing that we want to have this uh, God made us relational beings, but it's not just that, right? It's a relationship that works to do the work of God. And so that's pretty cool. Very good reference. Yeah. And then another passage I like to, I like to look at is, is Hebrews 10. And um, it talks about not neglecting meeting with one another, but really the whole purpose of that is that when we meet with one another, we're able to encourage one another, but we're also able to stir each other up for good works that it, it leads to action and that all of our faith and our relationships should lead to doing something Mm -hmm. in the kingdom of God. Mm, That's good stuff. Uh, I thought of this as well. If, if someone were really maybe hyper analytical and they're listening to this podcast and they're like, is fellowship actually a spiritual discipline, right? Or is it just something that benefits us? Bryson, you shook your head. You have thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, this is unprompted, unplanned for. This is when I get excited to see what happens. <laughs> I was actually going to say, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are on this. What so. if I didn't have any? Oh, well, is- you shouldn't have brought up the question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is actually connected to my practical advice, so I'll, I'll kind of skip ahead. Um, mm. It does, you do have to put yourself out there. Mm. So in a sense, we're because just being created for something doesn't mean that you're going to do it. Mm. And so just be, you, we, we can know that we need a relationship, but sometimes, especially the thing as we get older, 
We have a lot of relational experience that kind of goes against us sometimes. We've been hurt. Um, people have said things about us. People have done things. Um, and I've one thing that I found really interesting is it, do, it seems like it doesn't matter from childhood to adulthood. Like I've I've heard of stories of you know for, even in our church, people in their forties and fifties who they were really hurt by something, yeah, and that it affected them. You know, right. And so yes, I think it is something that it's a discipline because you have to commit to it, mm-hmm. especially even when you don't feel like it. Yeah, yeah. I think from that standpoint, the longer we go in life, I. Th- I think we tend to, we, we get our circle and we stay in that circle and, mm-hmm. and we, we treat that as fellowship and it is to some extent, but we're also supposed to be continually creating new relationships with other believers and other people and reaching right. beyond our circle. And so in that sense, it is a discipline and like, who am I reaching today that I didn't reach yesterday? Mm-hmm. How am I impacting those around mm-hmm. me? Fellowship is a way to do that. And so you do have to flex that and you have to be intentional about it. Um, I think there's elements of fellowship that, that a lot of people do well, and there's a lot that we don't don't do well. And so, yeah, from that standpoint, it absolutely is a discipline, right? <clears throat> so I want us to think about this. Uh, we've we've done spiritual disciplines on the Bible, prayer, fasting, evangelism, serving, and worship, and so now we're to fellowship. And if someone has that thought initially, that is fellowship really even a discipline? Then I will I would ask them in return. How do you treat someone who's a brother, sister in Christ, Christ that annoys you? Do you hang out with them? Do you do anything with them extra? Absolutely, fellowship is a spiritual discipline. Because if mm-hmm. it's just about relationships and I just want um, people who fill me up and add to me, that's kind of the world standard of friendship mm-hmm. is that who can give me what I need? Even our our concept of love is like, well, do they complete me? That kind of Jerry Maguire type theology, right? That's uh, that's We're not related. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't even put that together when I said that. I get uh, that all the time. Do you? Some, well, yeah. There's a nice side tangent. Um, but so is it a discipline? Absolutely, because I am called to be with people in partnership even if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that that's a hard thing for us to hear in modern society because we think relationships are there just for us. And it's absolutely not true. God has put us in the world to be a blessing to other people. We need them, but they also need us. And so there may be people in uh, that are listening to this right now that have someone that God wants them to minister to, mm-hmm. to show a little extra care, attention to, that other people maybe ignore. And so that's why it's a discipline, because you may have to do some sacrifice, mm-hmm. uh, sacrifice your time, energy, whatever, uh, your pride, whatever it is, to have this kind of relationship, this fellowship with them, because it's more than just a relationship or friendship, it is a partnership. You're doing it for the work. And so what if, like Bryson was saying, people have been wounded by the church? Well, if it's just about friendships, then yeah, mm-hmm. you would leave the church, but it's not. It's about a partnership for the cause of Christ. And so you you don't leave that fellowship. Yeah. You look like you had something. Yeah, I, I was just I don't think- know your thinking face yet. We don't know each other <laughs> or not, but it looked like a thinking no, face. No, cuz as you were you were talking about dealing with difficult people and and it's not always about what you can get from it, but I think there's times when we may get something that we don't really want, but it actually is a benefit for mm-hmm. us. And so we may avoid those relationships because somebody's very critical. Well, maybe we need to hear that criticism. Maybe we need to walk alongside them and somewhere down the road, we're going to realize, man, that relationship really benefited me and I never saw it coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me just suggest that a benefit could be simply you invested in someone that you 
that no one else would have invested in and you got to see growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that'd be a really cool thing to see. All right. So let's talk next about journey. Mm-hmm. Like what has your journey of fellowship been like? And we'll go ahead and start with Aaron this time. Um, just just what what's kind of the Aaron story as far as fellowship? Yeah, so I'm I'm naturally an introvert. I I don't like being the one that that initiates the the friendship or the conversation. I I like to slip in and kind of feel out the room and then jump in when I can. But so I'm uh, week two when we ask you to be on the podcast. It's not an introvert's dream, right? No, no. But <laughs> but the Lord really has worked in in my life over the last you know several years of just really pushing me out there and. Um, making me realize what he's doing in my life. And so that's made it a lot easier to say, man, this is what God has done for me. Mm. Let me see him do that for other people. Mm. And so that's really kind of revolutionized how, how I approach fellowship and friendships and um, putting on the extrovert, you know, uh, uniform when I need to, um, even though I'm, I'm, that's not me naturally, Mm. but that's the Lord working through me. But in my journey with fellowship and, and Christian friendships, I've I've just seen the benefit of it. And like the, the toughest moments in life really are meant to be shared with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that so often the Lord works through other people. And I think we forget that sometimes and that yeah. um, we we have our, our prayer closets and, and we and we go into our room and and we hunker down in prayer with the Lord and man, that's great, and we need to do that, and it's it's vital to your walk with the Lord. But there's also a sense that you need to share that with other people because the Lord will use those people to carry the burdens too. And so um, I've I've learned that my deepest friendships often have come from people that I have nothing in common with except Christ. Mm. And that's the beauty of the Christian fellowship is if you have nothing else in common, you have Christ in common, mm-hmm. and that's enough. Yeah, that's really cool. I remember one time when I was a young airman, I was at a— I was at some sort of medical appointment or something, and this uh, this guy walked into a room, and I get he turned out to be a doctor, but um, he was looking at my chart, and he said my name Obadiah, and I go by Obi, but my name's Obadiah, and because he was a believer, he immediately recognized that I knew nothing else about him, but we had a, an immediate bond, mm-hmm. and so that was really cool. I just always has stuck with me that he was super excited to talk to me about the faith. Just in that moment, we knew nothing else about each other. So, yeah, it's a unique connection. All right. What you got for us, Bryson? Your journey. What's the Bryson journey of fellowship? So I'm a little opposite of Aaron. I'm an extrovert, naturally. But one thing that I've found kind of interesting is as I've gotten older, I, I realized that, like, my extrovertness is not as high as it used to be. Mm. I introvert a little mm. bit more now. Mm. Um, and I think that's partially uh, being married and then also uh, being a pastor. I've actually introverted a being little a bit. pastor yeah. makes you want to be around people less is what I, you just no, said. <laughs> I think I think there you know I, one thing so this is a unique thing I know most people listening but just for me like one thing that I found interesting was as people had more spiritual questions leaned on me more for spiritual guidance and things like that um it it like a lot of the times hanging out with people they saw me like as a pastor uh. not necessarily always a person so I introvert a little bit more now but With that, like from high school, you know, I grew up in church. And so from high school, like youth group, it's like a 24-7 thing. Like I was always with my friends. Fellowship was just nonstop. Moving to college, I'd still say it was like 80%. Like instead of the 24-7, like it's like it's a little bit less. You have a little bit me time. But for the most part, still with a lot of people. 
But then I get married and my circle of friends kind of dwindles a little bit, not in a bad way, but just, you know, you, you tend to find people that you have more connection with, like mm-hmm. people who are also married. And and then we moved up here and, you know, there is a little bit of a, um, I guess, out of sight, out of mind. Like if I was to go back to my hometown of Springfield and go back to my, my, my home church there, I have no doubt people would be, you know, welcoming and loving, exciting, but I don't talk to them on a regular basis anymore. Things just change a little bit. And um, so for me, it's been kind of interesting to see this very broad kind of like fellowship with a whole bunch of different people to my fellowship now is a lot more narrower and more intentional. Um, and then I'd imagine that one day when we have kids, that will change as well. So I say that for me, fellowship, it's it's like it it changes with the season of my life. Mm. Um, but it's not a bad thing. I'd say that if anything, the fellowship is the, like that you can in, run away from the change or you can embrace the change. And I've tried to embrace the change and seen a lot of richness and fullness by embracing, okay, this is my season of life. This is what my fellowship looks like and really leaning into that. So would you say, um, if I could kind of decipher there for a second, um, would you say that maybe you've become more strategic in your fellowship because maybe it's been defined less as being just friendship and now you invest in people who are going to be partners in the ministry? Is that kind of what you think or no no not necessarily i think i think for me it is one of those things where like i like before like again high school college i just hang out with anybody mm. like i didn't really care like even if it was one time i'm like okay cool like let's just hang out but now i'm like as i'm older like my first priority is my wife right and so if i'm going to spend 2 3 hours however long away from my wife I want to know that I'm going to actually enjoy that time. There's some mutual benefit to it. Right. It's also yeah. kind of just nice having people that just understand. So like when I hang out with my married friends, it's not just like, oh, the woes of marriage. Like, in fact, sometimes we just don't even talk about marriage. But the fact that they just understand that they get it. Um, but I also have single friends and there's nothing wrong with that either. But there is a little bit of a disconnect there mm-hmm. because my life and their life looks a little bit different. But kind of to your point, Aaron, there's things you can learn. My single friends, sometimes I, I feel like they bring a little bit of energy back into me. Um, but then at the same time, they have questions about dating and relationships that I've walked through a little bit more of life than they have so I can speak to them in those things. So I think it just looks different. I don't mm. I don't know how else to describe no, it. Yep, I think that makes sense. I was uh, just going to make an observation about you two completely off point that uh, a second ago, Aaron had his cap on his bottle, whereas Bryson was sitting there for like a straight five minutes with his cap off of his bottle. Water bottle. Yeah, water bottle. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, as, a, as a cautious person by nature, uh, I notice when people leave their bottle, I just assume you're just entirely a free spirit. My wife doesn't. No, I'm not a free spirit whatsoever. I'm just like trying to, to keep the noise level down yeah. so you don't hear me rattling a oh, bottle on the... That's fair. My wife, uh, I don't know if I should call my wife out on uh, a podcast. Does she listen yeah. to the podcast? She probably does. So here's your, here's <laughs> you, your shout out. You don't out. know if your own wife listens to the she podcast? She does. She does. My wife most doesn't. Of the time. I know she does. Your doesn't. wife doesn't? No, she doesn't. I'm going to make my wife listen to this there one. There you go. Oh. At least this one episode. <laughs> I, we need to talk to Sarah. But um, but anyway, my wife, Danielle, she uh, always leaves her, her cap off her bottle, especially while eating. And I, it just makes me nervous as a like a firstborn psychology type 
it's just like, man, put that cap on. And we got laptops up here. Bryson just free spirit. He's just like, you know, I'm not a free spirit. If <laughs> spend five minutes with me, you're going to know I'm not. That's if that if the if the cap off the bottle is the most free spirit. Aaron just put his cap on his bottle. Kind of. Um, <laughs> kind if of. that's the most free spirited thing about me, I'm not a very free spirited person. All right. That's fair. All right. So I got us completely off track. So we're talking that's about okay. uh, the journey and what is your uh, journey of fellowship been like? So, um, I guess for me, I kind of just really emphasize the partnership side of it even more than the fellowship side and or the relationship friendship side. Um, and, and maybe that's because um, I just feel like my mind, most of my adulthood has kind of been in the the ministry aspect of mm-hmm. it. Um, but I remember back in 2005 when I was actually in a life group here. So for people who aren't aware, this is uh, what we call our small groups, our, we call them life groups. So we have obviously the big worship service for church, but then we break into smaller groups to allow people to kind of get those friends to live life together, to carry those burdens together, to challenge each other, etc. And I remember in 2005, we were in this life group and there was like... How old was, were you in 2005? Uh, let's see. I was around 23 I was in fifth grade. I just want to throw that out Something there. Like I was in that. high school. All right. Well, anyway, keep going. Sorry. I wasn't driving. Yet. I just always like to point that out. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, no problem. You all have beards. I have beards with a little gray hair in it. So that's that's I'm, what we'll do. I'm starting to get some gray hair too. Are you? Yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> right, I didn't so, mean to detract. No, I so like the year is 2005. The year is 2005. <laughs> well, it was a cold, <laughs> dark Wednesday uh, night. <laughs> this is when our wives turn off the the episode. By the way, I mean his never started, but mine probably turns it off by this point. But anyway, so we, we had this this life group and no one was really close to each other. And one of the wives actually said, we kind of just feel like we're waiting. Uh, they were a military family. And they said, we kind of feel like we're just waiting to leave. Mm-hmm. Like this group isn't close at all. And so what was cool after that is we intentionally started getting together outside of church. And to this day, some of my closest confidants and friends came from that that group. That's and cool. so it, it took that moment where we said, we are going to be intentional and invest in each other's life. Mm-hmm. There's been two of them that, um, man, I've talked through theology, politics, all sorts of things. Even as they went to different military bases, uh, we, we talked um, all sorts of thinking out. Uh, we would just uh, send, I don't know, probably books worth of emails back and forth, arguing, debating, uh, but having fun and, and growing as brothers. And so that's been pretty cool. Um, I think any any pastor would be wise if they're married to uh, mention their wife, right? So uh, as you think of fellowship and partnership, uh, obviously there could be no closer partner in the ministry than a spouse. And so my wife obviously hopefully makes me a better man, but also has just invested incredibly in any ministry I've been part of. Um, And then I think of also on my journey, different leaders along the way. And so right now I'm just incredibly blessed with a bunch of young adult leaders that are on fire for Christ and ready to serve. And um, we just had a conference at the time of this recording last weekend and just tons of my young adult guys came out and uh, they, they would, were supposed to work like half the conference and then go to half the conference. But a lot of them just wanted to work the whole time. And so uh, just seeing that kind of thing and then fellow pastors, uh, my father was a pastor and my father-in-law is a pastor. Um, previous pastors, uh, our pastor of this church, um, just different ones have invested in me. And so um, that type of that type of thing as part of my journey has just made it 
um, made me aware that I need to not only invest in others as I've been invested in, but I also need those type of mentors mm-hmm. um, and, or even peers that that will hold me accountable or help help guide me that I can go pick their brain if I'm going through a situation. So um, that's kind of been my journey. Anything to add, guys? No. All right. So let's talk about practices. So um, what are some practices or tips that have helped you be motivated? Where do I start? Where can I go? We'll start with you, Aaron. Yeah. So just like some practical things you can do. Uh, my favorite thing is just to share a meal with with each other. Um, there's something about sharing a meal together and breaking bread together that just makes it easier to connect. I think to to my time in the singles group back, back home in Texas and just realizing once we started eating together, how close that group got. Um, it's, I don't know what it is about that, but there's just something special about that. And I see, I think we see that in the gospels with Jesus shared meals with many different people, um, that he, he ate with tax collectors and other quote unquote sinners, but he also ate with Pharisees. Mm -hmm. Um, and often those meals gave him a chance to, um, to pour into the lives of who he was meeting with hmm. um, and, and gave him a chance to teach and and develop them in a way that he, he probably wouldn't have had just walking down the road in the middle of the crowd. Um, and so for me, that's that's one easy thing to do is just just eat together. But then well, let um, me let me talk on that before yeah. you go to your next one. So uh, that's why anybody listening, if you're not plugged into a church, you should plug into a church, but then you should take that next step of getting into a small group. And we just really encourage our small groups that we call life groups to um, have those out of Sunday morning experiences with each other where they meet in each other's homes and and eat some food together. It, it is weird. You're right. It's a weird phenomenon that, that something about just sitting around eating, I don't know if it's that you're not as hurried or you're more relaxed. I, I don't know what it is, but Bryce, you well, I've actually heard something. I don't know how true this Does is. Does Google have a yeah? Hit us. Hit us with okay. First off, I read a book. Oh, um, so one I read Published a book. By Google or so I'm not actually going to say the book because I don't think I agreed with everything in it. So I probably That's wouldn't fair. promote it. But one, it was a book that was based on this idea of what were Jewish cu- customs and culture, uh, cultural aspects, things that they would do that because you got to realize that the Old Testament, they they had an understanding of Scripture that we just don't have because it was written to them at that time in that place. We can understand it broadly historically. But anyway, the idea was is if you look, a lot of things in Jewish culture, historic and current, um, are actually based around eating a meal together. Mm-hmm. And the idea was is that it's, it's one of the only places where everybody is equal with each mm-hmm. other. Um, like so people aren't standing above or below each other right and there is something that is kind of unique about that like that shared commonality with one another and so everybody's on the same place same ground um, same position and so I think that's just kind of a unique aspect to it like and then you're also coming together for something that's common you're coming to eat and so you're you're kind of united in that anyway I read that I thought that was kind of interesting yeah. so I'm not yeah, sure if that's true or not yeah all think, right back to Aaron yeah back I was Aaron, just just adding on to just the meal that there's also something about inviting people into your home that yep. that's whether or not you're as open as you should be in the conversation, you've invited them into your life and you can see this is how we live um, just subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And so there's and we're a, just there, normal people. Yeah. The, there's abnormal. People. Yeah. There's a level of, I, this word gets misused a lot, but there's a level of intimacy that comes with that, that you don't get elsewhere. Yep. And so 
you don't have to do anything anything fancy. You don't ha- you don't really have to clean up your house all that much. You can just invite people to come over. Their house is dirty too. I promise. <laughs> We're all normal. We all have dirty houses. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one way. There's other things you can do. I mean, really, finding a shared hobby is is a great way to to get to know people. Um, I'm a huge baseball guy. I love going to baseball games. And baseball games are a great way to connect with people because there's about three and a half hours where nothing happens. And you just sit, <laughs> you sit right next to each other and you can, you need a hot dog, but you know, there's actually like 18 minutes of, of action in a baseball game and the rest you can just sit and talk. And so it's, you should not be a baseball <laughs> marketer though. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was not your but calling that 18, <laughs> Those 18 minutes are really fun. Oh, that's uh, exciting. You know, so I, I love baseball games, but you can I mean, golf. It takes four hours if you're not any good it takes six to seven hours to finish 18 holes that's a lot of time that you can spend with people but literally anything you're doing can be fellowship if you're intentional about it Mm -hmm. Uh, it can as long as it leads to you having deeper conversations go do it you know whatever it takes to build those conversations to build those relationships to get to those conversations is all good Mm -hmm. yeah good stuff so Talking about practices, Bryson, what do you got? I'm going to shift my answer a little bit um, mm-hmm. just to go off of what Aaron was saying. So I, my, my biggest piece of advice would just be you got to put yourself out there. You have to take a risk. Um, at our last church, there was there was a lot of – there was like a young married life group, but, again, it was kind of just this we come, we sit, and then we hear a lesson, and then we go home. And we didn't really all hang out with each other. So Sarah and I basically said, hey, like – on Thursday, do you guys want to come over? We're going to cook you guys a meal, that kind of a thing. And like, we probably had like eight couples that came into our, our like little 800 square foot apartment. And so we were like, oh my gosh. And so like, we've had people at like the table on the couches at like our, we had like a little high top um, counter in our kitchen where people, there were some bar seating there, bar stool seating. And um, but it was just a lot of fun. And so we actually started rotating homes every Thursday night mm. and then people would cook different meals. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Sarah and I always have our, when we go to someone's house, we always have our backup plan. So in case the meal is bad, we mentally already have decided on a place we're going to eat because there's nothing worse than leaving someone's house. You're hungry and hangry. So we've just pre-decided <laughs> we're not going to fight with each other. We know we're going to wing stop after this person's house if the meal was bad. Um, <laughs> But but with that, though, you know, that happened a lot to you in your fellowship, <laughs> not just that it's happened other places like I'm, I feel confident in saying this because the person's never going to listen to this. We went to someone's house. Is it Sarah? No. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we went to a friend's house in, in Kansas City this past weekend, and I'm not going to lie. It was really bad. The, oh, food. the fellowship was great. Do I need to have Jacob bleep this out? No, no, no. They're, they're never going to listen to this. We'll let you sleep on the it for a day. The food was rough. <laughs> and they, they like, she like burnt half of it. Um, like the other half was just like, it was just, so Sarah and I had pre-decided we were going to go out to eat after like where we would go. And that was a huge blessing. So it does happen. Um, <laughs> Anyway, with you that, you better not have yeah. eaten out after you came to my house, Bryce. I've never eaten out. He'll never tell Danielle you if you did or not. Cook. There you go. Um, and I would never actually That's good. say. She's listening. <laughs> I would never say, even <laughs> if we did. Uh, but no, my point is, so we we, we kind of had to take a risk, right? We had to take a risk and say, what if nobody shows up to this thing? You know, what if everyone says, yeah, we'll come, and then no one no one shows up? And so again, I kind of go back to what I said earlier. There's a lot of different experiences we have as teenagers, adults, older adults, whatever stage of life you're in, that almost tells you don't trust people, 
people, you know, sometimes people believe like people are out to get them. Everybody's against them. Um, I mean, my gosh, go on YouTube and you'll find a thousand videos of how people have been hurt by the church, hurt by people, left the church, left the faith, all this kind of stuff. Right. And again, you got to really lean into that there is a risk with relationship. And that's true both in the Christian and in the secular world. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt by people because we're sinners. We're all sinners. But what's really cool is when we remember that we're, we're one in Christ, united in the spirit, by the spirit, um, we realize that we have the tools to navigate through those things, right? Um, if we can't forgive others, like how can we say that we've been forgiven by Christ? So Christian fellowship is really unique in the sense that it should look so different from the world. Um, people should look at Christian fellowship and say, wow, like what is that? I even love the passage in John where Jesus says, um, by your love for one another, the world will know that you're my disciples. Mm -hmm. um, so our fellowship has the power to to reach people, to show the world um, the love of Christ and to build the church and build up each other. That's good stuff. So I've heard you all both kind of talk about being intentional. I think that's really good advice for someone who's listening and feels like, well, when I go somewhere, I can't make a friend. Or when I go somewhere, they weren't friendly to me. Or I tried this church and they weren't very welcoming. Well, I hope churches are welcoming. I hope people are friendly. But also what I would say to that person is don't put the onus on other people. Mm. Like if you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a disciple of his, then this is called a spiritual discipline for a reason. This is something that God wants you to do. It's not just God doesn't just want us to receive these things. He doesn't want us to receive fellowships. He wants us to initiate fellowship. And what people often get wrong is they think they're the only one who feels awkward. They think they're the only one who doesn't have any friends. They think they're the only one who is nervous to go into a new group or even an old group that you've been here a lot, but you're not as close to people as you'd like to be. Mm -hmm. and, and they're wrong. Almost everybody, except for the extreme intro or extreme extroverts, almost everybody else feels that way. And so, what would be awesome is if instead of Christians being led by their feelings, Christian would be led by their command to have fellowship with one another. Mm -hmm. And so, this imperative to say we need to connect, we need the body of Christ, and the body of Christ needs us. So, whether or not I feel comfortable, I'm going to go out and put myself out there, and I'm going to be nice to someone. Whether, they're, whether or not they're nice to me. I'm going to ask about someone, whether or not they ask about me, and I'm going to mm -hmm. invest in someone, whether or not they invest in me. And to have that approach, and I'm just telling people, the more you ask about people, invest in people, care about people, you eventually will have others reciprocate. Mm -hmm. You don't do it for that purpose. You do it because you're commanded to be part of the body of Christ, but eventually you'll also be reciprocated. And so that's the picture in scripture. Um, I had in my notes, I had uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Those are all passages that talk about the body of Christ. And the picture is not like, oh, we have one part of the body of Christ. And, and if people aren't familiar with this, it may sound weird uh, to, to just talk about the body of Christ. The picture is all Christians together make up this figurative body of Christ that that it's like we're an interoperative body that um, every person is a part of the body. You may be the big toe of the whole body of Christ, but let me tell you, the big toe is important. Not only does it provide balance, but if you stub it, the whole body's upset, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. And so every single part of the body is important. And that means a person listening to this who is not connected to a church, who is not giving their gifts, 
they're depriving the body of Christ of something that it needs. Mm-hmm. Even if they feel like they're the big toe or the little toe, then then they're depriving the body of Christ of something that it needs. And so don't see fellowship as just something that you get. It is and you'll be blessed by other people. Sometimes you'll be mad at other people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's because it's not just friendships. It is a fellowship, a partnership. And so if you're listening to this and you're not connected, you need to connect, not just for you, but because the body of Christ needs you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would just to piggyback on that too, to to continue that that metaphor of the body of Christ, if you cut off your hand, your hand dies. Your hand it can't right. it can't exist apart from the body. And so you can't live apart from the body of Christ. There is no life apart from that. And so to do what you're supposed to do, you have to be connected to other people. Mm-hmm. And to to elaborate on that, doesn't mean a person's going to physically die. Right. Doesn't mean they lose their salvation. What it does mean is there will be no vitality to their spiritual walk, mm-hmm. that, that they won't be what God wants them to be um, in the body, in the world for him, because they've been disconnected from the rest of the body. Yeah. So good word. Anything else to add, guys? No, I just say amen and amen to all that. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Faith in Real Life. Don't forget to subscribe and share with someone who needs a little faith in their life. And we'd really appreciate you rating this podcast in your favorite podcast app and leaving a review. It helps get the word out. And if you're in the O'Fallon, Illinois area, we would love for you to stop by and visit one of our church services and a small group, which we call Life Group in person or online, and you can find out about all the details of things happening in our church through social media and at fbcofound.org. That's fbcofound.org, and we'll see you next time.